with all that sweet frosting and the donut is, it's remarkably delicious. It's beautiful. It's like BYU's defense was uh, on Saturday. It was awesome. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Well, if you've ever been to a BYU game, you get a show beyond the football oh! game. And a deflected ball, a picked up ball, Eddie Hicker on the interception. Broken up, and the Cougars take over on downs. That Cougar defense felt like Hulk meets Cosmo. Plus five in the turnover margin on Saturday night. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. It's a Monday, and that means it's a Maddox Monday. Halfway, a little bit more through the college football season, we welcome ESPN college football insider Trevor Maddox and a national champion back onto the program. Trevor, very, very interesting, strange game again for BYU. The Cougars at night win again. They're 5-2. and two. What did you make of the overall game as you look at BYU, who is now 5-2 and two on the season? What a fantastic win. I mean, the team was opportunistic on all three phases, offense, defense, special teams. They kept fighting. There were all kinds of opportunities for Texas Tech to come back, and BYU wouldn't let them up off the mat, and they got them on the mat because they jumped out to an early lead. BYU's up 14-0 at the end of uh, the first quarter. They're up 24-7 at halftime, and they just kept the pedal to the metal and kept on rolling at full speed. And I thought it was, it was a joy to watch, and it was incredibly entertaining. Now, there are those who didn't feel like it was a joy to watch the offense, especially in the second half. And the way that BYU is winning is not what people want. But how picky do we want to be in the first year of the Big 12 as BYU is 5-2? and two? Certainly, we're afraid that that's not sustainable. Being plus 5, obviously, is amazing. You're going to win like 99% of those games. So how are you feeling about the way BYU is playing, yet is 5-2? and two? Well, the, the way they're playing is the way they have to play. And, and this is where, you know, do you judge them based on what you wish they were? Or do you judge them basing, based on what they're doing with what they have and what they're doing with what they have right now is being very opportunistic. I mean, you, you mentioned the plus five in the turnover margin, right? That's not going to be every week for sure. But overall, over the course of the season, BYU is one of the top defenses in the nation in takeaways and one of the top offenses in the nation at fewest giveaways. And that's kind of weird because BYU is so heavily dependent on the pass. Normally, you'd have more, more turnovers on offense in that kind of a situation. But they're doing a really good job on both sides of the ball at, at making the, the turnover battle go in their favor. And I think you can look at two of those five turnovers in this game. One of them was the the fumble that was recovered in the end zone. Okay, so you got freshman quarterback for Texas Tech. They they muff the the quarterback running back exchange deep in their own territory. Okay, balls on the ground, running backs right there, quarterbacks right there. But guess who else was right there? Max Tooley was right there. He was aggressive. He attacked. So when an opportunity presented itself, he was in position. Now, he didn't recover it, but because he was there, that ball ended up squirting into the end zone and, and seemed like half the planet wearing blue was over there trying to recover it for that touchdown. That's because of how aggressive BYU is on defense. We always, we always talk about how more games are lost than they are won. Teams will make a mistake, but for, for that to work out, 
you've got to be in position to capitalize on the opponent's mistake. Then you look at the other that I just want to just reference right now. It's an interception. Yeah, I think it was Eddie Heckard. But what happened was it was a, a slant coming from the offensive left side. And if that ball had been completed, it would have been a big catch and run because the coverage wasn't that good on that side. But here comes Crew Wakely. He lines up on the offensive right. And when the guy he's, he's covering blocks, he reads the quarterback's eyes and moves over to the, to the left side of the offensive formation and gets into the passing lane. He tipped it in the air. And then it was picked off. That's the kind of thing that is opportunistic, where you're not just sitting around waiting for a turnover to fall into your lap. You're doing things that that create turnovers, and you are there when the other side makes a mistake to capitalize on it. So this is, you know, these are things that they're doing. And so when you look at the stats overall, you know, you, you, there's a lot of reasons to be unhappy. But when you look at what they've got, when we talk defense now, they're very active. They're very aggressive. And when the opportunity arises, they take advantage of it. They're one of the best in the country at that. And to your point, Trevor, Tyler Batty lays just an absolute bombardment of a hit to force a fumble on a punt return. BYU jumps on that. That's another turnover. But again, people are focused on the 277 total yards of offense. Albeit, BYU did have their best rushing output of the season against Texas Tech. So how do you measure what BYU's offense did because the defense was so good and the rushing game took another uptick? The offense didn't turn it over, did they? And they didn't commit a lot of penalties. That That's another big part of it. And the the offense is kind of what it is right now. I mean, this is not a great rushing offense. We've, we've discussed that at length. The passing attack has had to make up for that. And, and fortunately, you've got a quarterback that – if, if there is a Heisman for leadership, then Keaton Slovis would be in New York as a finalist. He has just been stellar as a steadying force and, and maximizing what is available to accomplish with this offense. And having said that, uh, with the combination quarterback and receivers, but especially receivers and some other things, there there's opportunity to get even better in that phase of the game. You mentioned the, the running attack. Okay, so they're over 150 yards. That's Guys, that's great. Uh, if you take away the 55-yard run by L.J. Martin in the first quarter, then I know that counts towards the averages, but the reason it's important to take away a big, long run is because it tells you more about the other bunch of carries that they had. And, so, and, and that, that's important because what you don't want is to lose sight of the fact that the running game is supposed to keep you even with the uh, with the chains. If you take that away, they still ran the ball pretty well. It wasn't incredible, uh, but it was steady. There were too many plays that were zero to negative yardage, but there were plenty that were three, four, five, six yards, right? And so you could see progress in the running attack, and that's good. Right now, they need to keep getting better. They can't abandon the run. They actually handed it off more times than they threw it in this game. And having two big backs instead of one, this is with the return of Aiden Robbins, having two big backs instead of one gives them more options in terms of being able to rotate fresh guys through and just pound, 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 pound. And so we'll, we'll see how the, the running game improves. For now, though, this is still an offense that relies on the passing attack. Certainly a healthy Aiden Robbins helped. It was pretty predictable when he was in. The BYU is going to run. Still scratched out 3.1 yards per carry, which around here is pretty good given how it's gone so far. But BYU has relied on takeaways. There's a certain amount of luck, certain amount of skill associated with that. We could argue all day about that. But 
How sustainable is that in the last five games for BYU to scratch out not just one win to get to a bowl game, but perhaps a couple more? Well, it's kind of scary, right? Because sometimes when you, you're so good at getting takeaways, sometimes you'll get none. Sometimes you'll get five. Uh, and so it just depends on the game. A lot of it also has to do with opposing offenses looking at that and saying, look, we this is what they're doing to get those takeaways, and we need to make sure we don't put the defense in position to be able to do what they do best. And we need to protect the ball more. And I think this upcoming game against Texas will be very run-heavy for the Longhorns, and partly because of that, partly because they'll be starting a freshman quarterback as well. So, you know, is it sustainable? I don't think it's fair to judge the defense on whether or not it's sustainable. I can just say this. They're fourth in the country at number of takeaways so far, and they're seven games in. Trevor Maddich of ESPN is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Now the Cougars turn their attention to the mighty Texas Longhorns in Austin Saturday afternoon. So much for that limited spotlight. It's national television at 3.30 Eastern, 1.30 Mountain. But Texas is without the services of their very, very talented quarterback, Quinn Ewers. We learned he's going to be out for a few weeks with a shoulder injury. So, Trevor, how do you approach this game if you're in that BYU locker room and you know you're going against another backup quarterback? This will make three weeks in a row. How do you approach this specific scenario? You have to attack. You have to attack because you can't just sit back and hope that they you know, make the mistakes to, to give you the game. They're not going to do that. But if you attack, you can force mistakes, which is what happened against Texas Tech. Now, Malik Murphy is the, the freshman quarterback that will probably be starting in this game. He's physically a lot like Arkansas's K.J. Jefferson. He's 6'5", about 240 pounds, really strong runner, very inexperienced as a passer. And BYU can show him a lot of looks and hopefully uh, give him give him opportunities to get confused. We'll see how that works out. From a, a standpoint of the the BYU uh, defense, the pass catchers for Texas are among the best in the country as a group. They've got a great group of wide receivers. Their their tight end Sanders is one of the best deep threats as a tight end receiver in the country. There there's going to be a lot of opportunity for Texas to be able to to get some big plays if the young quarterback is able to pull things together in the from the passing attack. So if I'm BYU's defense, I'm I'm assuming that they're just going to hand off because they're great at running back. I mean, they're great. Jonathan Brooks is one of the best running backs in the Big 12. C.J. Baxter is a, a former five-star recruit. He's a freshman. But you rotate those guys through, and that's a, that's a one-two punch behind one of the best offensive lines, uh, really one of the better offensive lines in the country. The first priority for BYU's defense is going to be get up there and limit the run so that the young quarterback has to start throwing the ball. That's important. But remember also how BYU is winning. They're winning by playing more cleanly than the opponent. This is a feature of their wins. And one of those aspects is when they get into scoring position, they score. They're one of the best in the country offensively at getting points in the red zone. And the other thing is, we talk about losing games. BYU has been very good at limiting penalties. Against Texas Tech, they had half the penalties. It was nine for the, the Red Raiders. It was four for the Cougars. And about one-third the penalty yards, less than one-third, uh, that uh, the opponent had. That's another thing they'll need to do. BYU needs to simultaneously attack and then play more cleanly than Texas does, Texas does from a standpoint of mistakes. That will put them in a position to have a chance to win. Now, I still think they'll need some help from Texas. But at the same time, BYU's formula for winning puts them in position to be able to, to be in the game and have a chance. 
They keep it clean, 14th in the country and fewest penalty yards per game. Five games left. Certainly Iowa State at home looks like the most winnable game for BYU with at Texas, at West Virginia, Iowa State, Oklahoma, at Oklahoma State. What's the second most winnable game, in your opinion, if it's not Iowa State being first? You know, it's, it's you know, at Oklahoma State, is an interesting one because Oklahoma State early in the season was was a hot mess. I mean, they just were a mess. You, you never knew what was going to happen. They were rotating three different quarterbacks. The, they weren't consistent at all. They lost some games they should never have lost in ways that they should never have lost them. Then they settled in in the last few weeks on one quarterback, and they've been a completely different team. So, you know, which which Oklahoma State is it going to be? You know, and how strong is that that Cowboys team going to be and how focused on BYU are they going to be? So that may be the second uh, best likelihood. But you never know. BYU has beaten Texas. BYU has beaten Oklahoma with a Heisman candidate and with, um, you know, with a strong team, nationally ranked, highly ranked team in the past. BYU has risen up and beaten teams they're not supposed to beat. And so their mindset is we're going to win every single one of these games. But from a standpoint of the fans on the outside in, I think that's where you would probably pencil it in. But you never know. This is a team that could rise up and surprise you. Hey, give me all of the rest of the games at night. Hey, just give me the night games, Trevor. Right. It's, a, it's, a, it's a different deal, man. Or at least at night and make sure to put bacon on the cougar tails because there <laughs> seems to be some sort of magic when those two things come together. We have one of those with your name on it as soon as you get back to Provo. Mark my word. <laughs> I will be there. <laughs> Great to talk to you, Trevor. Thanks so much. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, guys. Oh, those are, those are delicious, by the way. Oh, yeah, really good. Those are delicious. Like, it, it, uh, you know, normally I wouldn't want bacon on it, but, like, I'll eat bacon with syrup kind of sliding yes. in across the plate. Yes. For my, you know, waffle or pancake. Why not? I didn't think I would oh. like it the first time I tried it. Yeah. But the mixture of the salt and the bacon with all that sweet frosting and the donut is it's remarkably delicious. It's beautiful. It's like BYU's defense was uh, on Saturday. It was awesome. After further review, we'll break it down like a bacon-filled maple donut cougar tail. Yeah. Tackle tech. That's the theme. Tomorrow night, 7 Eastern on BYU TV's app. All right, we're asking the question because, you know, it's a thing. It's a couple of all-time catches this season from mm. BYU. Which is better, Darius Lassiter's or Chase Roberts? For the touchdown at Arkansas. We'll make our call after the break. This is BYU Sports Nation. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B on a winning Monday. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. How about some Monday headlines? BYU football beats Texas Tech 27-14. The Cougars forced five turnovers, rushed for a season-high 150 yards, but the highlight of the night was this spectacular catch from Darius Lassiter. Slovis goes deep, and does Lassiter bring it in with one hand? He did! What a catch at the Texas Tech 40-yard liner inside. Darius Lassiter goes up and hauls it in with one hand on the sideline. Unbelievable. Up next for BYU, a trip to Austin to play number seven, Texas on ABC, who will likely be without quarterback Quinn Ewers, as ESPN's Pete Thamel reported yesterday that Ewers will miss uh, some time with a shoulder injury. Cinco turnovers does not stinko, Jerem. 
Thank you, Anchor Boy. <laughs> Honda Cougars in the NFL. How about Puka Nakua? There are two receivers in NFL history that have at least 700 yards in their first seven games. It's Jamar Chase and Puka Nakua. Amazing. Eight catches, 154. The Rams lose to the Steelers, but still. Puka up to 752 yards on the season. Amazing start for him. Tyler Algier rushed for 59 yards, added three catches for 53 yards for the Falcons in a 16-13 win over Tampa Bay. Michael Davis had four tackles, including a tackle for loss for the Chargers in a 31-17 loss to Andy Reid's Chiefs. Kyle Van Noy, five tackles, two sacks for the Baltimore Ravens in a dismantling of the Detroit Lions, 38-6. Tonight, Fred Warner and the 49ers take on Jaron Hall, Kyrus Tonga, and the Vikings in Minnesota. Puka had 805 yards last year, so he'll pass that this week. Number nine, BYU women's volleyball sweeps Iowa State Friday night in one of the best overall performances of the season. Cougars led by Aaron Livingston, Whitney McEwen Larinus, Elise Stoll, who all had double-digit kills. BYU 18 and three now, seven and two in Big 12 play, 10 and 0 at home. Up next, a trip to Manhattan to play Kansas State twice this week. And then the Volleyball Magazine Super 16 poll, BYU number nine. Hey, run the table. Maybe you're a top eight team when the seeding comes out. Could be a two seed, absolutely. Let's go. Seventh ranked BYU women's soccer chasing a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. They host UCF tonight in their regular season finale, 8 Eastern on Big 12 now on ESPN+. BYU trailing Texas Tech by two points in the Big 12 standings. So that means BYU needs to beat UCF and the Red Raiders. Loss or draw to draw or lose yeah. at Iowa State tonight. All the Big 12 games, same time. So, same time, Drama. really fun. World Cup-esque. James taft Fredette helped lead Team USA's three-on-three -three team to the semifinals of the Pan American Games. Semifinal and final will be played later this afternoon. Good luck. Red Owen, TJ Wells, and Brian Chen of BYU Men's Tennis combined for four wins at the General Patton Invite hosted by Boise State over the weekend. And the doubles team of Jackie Dunyan and Bobo Huang of BYU Women's Tennis qualified for the ITA Fall Championships, which will be held in beautiful San Diego. They're good. We've had them in studio. We talked to them when they made the run last year. They're fantastic. Those are today's headlines. Now let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Around presented by Marist, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Let's share some opinions, shall Hard we? Hardest hitting question of the day, Spencer. Right. Which one-handed catch was better, Darius Lassiter or Chase Robert? Oh, man. I'm, I'm going to lean on just how much how much difficulty there was involved here, and I'm going to go with Darius Lasseter because he had to reach more above his head and across his body, and, and just the way that his body was moving, it's harder to make that catch because he's moving to the right and he had to reach back and grab the ball, whereas Chase could just kind of react and do this. Yeah, that one was pretty easy, right? It was not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It was unbelievable. It was for a touchdown. That's why yeah. I, I, it's hard and I go back and forth. but. The difficulty level of Darius's catch seems a little bit higher. Yeah. Catch is better by Darius. Context is better with Chase Roberts. So pick pick what matters you to like you the, the most. like the touchdown or the yeah. difficulty? I'll, I'll go uh, recency bias, Darius. Both unbelievable catches, two of the top 100 plays in BYU history. Those, Amazing. We've never seen catches at BYU like those. Amazing stuff. Aiden Robbins played in his first game since September 9th, and frankly, first game that he's actually been you know healthy in, even including the games he already played in. He talked about what it was like to play in front of BYU fans. Listen to this. Uh, it's crazy. It's truly crazy. I played in some big stadiums, but I ain't never played in a stadium like this with these type of fans. Like, it's, it's a difference between just having people fill up seats, but 
and having people fill up the seats and they making noise, you know what I mean? People that's into the game. Everybody out there sober too, so I love it. <laughs> they just out there yelling. <laughs> True words have never been spoken about BYU crowd. Oh, you played at Louisville and UNLV, and now BYU. Yeah. Frankly, every you know, BYU is one of the few spots where that's going to be the case. What do you expect from him the rest of the season, in yeah. front of sober fans or not? Yeah, this weekend will not be the case um, <laughs> with that particular fact. But uh, no, I expect him to have a massive impact on the run game. Hoping he can be a four yards a carry guy and. Uh, Win BYU a game that we don't see coming because Aiden Robbins is, is back. I expect 300 rushing yards from Aiden Robbins in the last five in the last five games. Most bowl game. Most bowl game. Yes. Tyler Batty uh, was spit on twice Saturday. Here he is after the game. And I just pancaked one of their one of their offensive linemen laying on top of him. I get up, and this dude just comes out of nowhere, just starts saying all sorts of stuff, and then spits in my face. Um, and then honestly, actually, to end the game as well, uh, their right tackle, 76, did the same thing. After Josh Singh made that tackle, um, just, uh, yeah, came up and I was like, hey man, you know, like good game. And he just beep, beep, beep. Uh, what do you make of this? Uh, I, frankly, it's unfortunate that it happens, but guess what, Jerem? Is it the cranberries that sing in your head, yeah. in your head? That Zombie. Is a, that is a win for Tyler Batty. If he is in their head like that, advantage BYU, advantage Tyler Batty. I hope they play again next year because then that's a little note in Texas Tech and BYU as we create these rivalries yes. in the league. Yeah, he's in their head. That's yeah. good. It's yeah. a win for Tyler. Uh, of note, that right tackle followed Tyler Batty's wife and liked posts on Instagram. So that's not weird. Try. <laughs> 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 didn't work out well. well did not work out well on the Texas Tech. What? Side. Goodness. BYU uniforms against Texas this week have been announced. It is navy helmets, white jerseys, navy bottoms. Do you like the look? Sure. I like uh, all these looks. There's only one I haven't liked the last couple years. I like all of these. Yeah, this, this is nice. It's it's a navy edition of the because it's it's the Oreo. It's the navy Oreo, not the royal Oreo. It's clean, really good. Now, if it results in a BYU win, I'll love it even more. <laughs> Causation versus correlation. The jersey's <laughs> the time of day, it's all. Oh, by the way, Texas is good. BYU football's Klein Stocky is tomorrow night, 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app as they recap Texas Tech and look ahead to Texas. And we recap a wild weekend in the Big 12. It was a weird weekend in the Big 12. Lots of close calls. This is BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Hey, turn the energy up. We got the juice and it spills on everything that we touch. Yeah. We got the drip, no other options. You breaking the noise, okay? Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in the studio. Bizzle, we have moved over to the Cougar Council Room as we welcome in Uncle B, dual threat analyst of football and basketball. We're focused on football today with BYU staring down Austin, Texas, and the number seven ranked Texas Longhorns. Blaine, BYU's five and two. We're still trying to figure out how exactly it's happened in some regards, but nonetheless, they're five and two and have a shot to get bowl eligible against Texas. How are you? How would you summarize the season to this point? It's actually on schedule for what we talk. Like, it, it's so funny because we were talking about this yesterday about 
okay, here's what's left. They have a, a top 10 schedule. Some say a top five schedule in terms of toughness to end the season. Where are they relative to where we thought they would be? So I went back to all my notes and I pulled out this sheet. This is from two weeks before the season when okay. we were talking. And, and here's what I said. Seven wins is the over-under. And here's the wins in my mind. Sam Houston, Southern Utah, Cincinnati, Iowa State, Texas Tech, at Kansas, and at West Virginia. I had them losing to Oklahoma, at Texas, at Oklahoma State, at TCU, and at Arkansas. So with the exception that Arkansas and Kansas flipped, yep. they're exactly where I thought they were going to be at this point. Okay. Right? And, and so my question now is, can they, like, so that was a pretty good prediction through seven, one exception, because there's always going to be a surprise, and not two surprises, really. I thought they'd get Kansas, and I thought Arkansas was going to be better than they are, right? Yeah. So, so where do they, you know, can they hold true? Do, do they go out and get West Virginia on the road? You know, do they get Iowa State at home down the stretch? I, I think those are legitimate opportunities for them to win down the stretch. And then it's not out of the question that they get one of those other ones that I predicted is a loss. Could they catch Oklahoma, who I think is crazy talented, way more talented than BYU, at elevation, in Elliott. Like, maybe there's, there's some, there's some magic to maybe late season weather elevation to have Oklahoma in there. More Just give me an after five yeah. kick in that game. Blaine. More likely they get really, really hot and feel a little bit better offensively against Oklahoma State and maybe get that one on the road than Oklahoma or Texas, right? But, uh, yeah, so, so I think the right were – we kind of all thought they would be from a record perspective. Now, national folks didn't think that, right? I didn't, I didn't think five and two. No way. Uh, I was with you. Like you agreed with me. Seven wins. Like to be on track for seven wins, I felt like they yeah. probably had to be five and two. They're one game ahead for me. And, and, like, and, I, and I said six. And I was. I said I would be happy with six this year. I thought seven should be the benchmark. Eight wouldn't flabbergast me. Nine, I'd be like, whoa. <laughs> like nine would be okay. whoa. So eight, eight wouldn't shock you. At this point with eight, meaning three wins. Three right, they'd wins. get three wins. Um, at this point, knowing how the teams left on the schedule are playing, I would be more shocked than I would have been at the beginning of the Us season. Us too. We were talking about right. three, like yeah. one or two more wins, not surprising. Zero right. or three plus would be. Yes, okay. yes, absolutely. One, they're, they're going to get one one of these home games, right, I feel. Um, and, and two isn't actually surprising. Three wins with what's left. Oh, man. I'm going to go. We should celebrate, right? We should yes, celebrate yes. if they get three. And, and listen, the way the BYU offense is playing, I just don't see three wins out there. Yeah. But what if they can create more in the run game with a healthy Aiden Robbins? Riddle me this, uh, Blaine. BYU has not had a 400-yard game on offense. And right. It's five and two, which is nuts. The defense is opportunistic, takes the ball away. The special teams has been spectacular. Three takeaways on punts this year is crazy, plus Rico, plus Will Farron's been pretty consistent. Can BYU put up a 400-yard game and finally give us like a 200-yard rush game? Do you see one game in the Final Five where that happens? And that, that schedule we just put up there, the weird thing is, is my eye draws to a game that I'm not sure that they can win, but they might get 400 yards. Okay. Oklahoma State? Uh, Oklahoma State. Yeah. And it's because Oklahoma State is ranked higher than 100 in, in total defense. They're 103rd in pass defense. And I feel like for BYU to have a 400-yard game, it's not going to be a 200-yard rushing game. It's going to be a game where they throw for 350. 
And I think that, that Oklahoma State is the type of team that if BYU gets hot, they might go throw for 350 and rush for 70 and get 400 yards. They're giving up 404 yards a game right now. Um, and get in a barn burner with them. And a game they could – that's why I'm saying on my lost side I had at Oklahoma State. I'm not so sure that that's not – if they get in a shootout and they have the ball last, that they couldn't win that one uh, on the road. But for me – Win or lose, that's the most likely 400-yard game left on the schedule. Because but, of but the opposing defense. Because of the opposing defense. But that doesn't necessarily translate to, I think they win that game. Because they won a shootout last week with West Virginia, 48-34. That's right. a Big 12 kind that, of score. That's, yes. And that's, that, that's kind of, I feel like, a little bit of the identity of this Oklahoma State defense. So I would love to see that kind of game on the road for BYU and Keaton Slow is feeling hot and getting a little bit of a run game going and both teams over 400 yards and up and down because I feel like this defense has been disruptive enough with, with two exceptions, right, two game exceptions, and, and weren't helped out by the offense not being taken care of the ball. But if the offense takes care of the ball and the defense and special teams are disruptive the way they have been, you don't have to be a high-octane 400 yards plus a game team because – you're being disruptive. You're creating turnovers. You're getting short fields. You win games when you're on the negative side of the total yardage ledger, and they've done that a bunch this year. Cincinnati is the perfect 98 allowed, and you win. Yeah, like you were up two scores late, and they you were up 35-13 in that game. Well, late. And, and, and talking to the <laughs> Texas to, to the coaching staff for Texas Tech on the defensive side, they're like, okay, this team moves the ball. They're really, they spread you out and they run the ball. They get chunk plays in the run game. Uh, we know they're playing their third string quarterback. Um, so don't be surprised if they rack up some yards between the twenties, but we're going to shut them down when they get to the 20 and we're going to manage points against this team and we're going to win. And I was like, okay, let's see. And then post game, I'm like, wow, that was a good call. Like, they knew what to expect. Um, they were very disruptive again, creating all kinds of turnovers. They had short fields offensively. Um, the punt game has been solid in special teams, so other teams have to drive long distances. So sometimes they get big yards and don't score. BYU seems to be able to stiffen up. The defense has been – it's a defense that's very opportunistic. Sometimes they give up some yards, but they don't give up – Home runs over the top unless they have a blown coverage, right? And that's with a ton of backup safeties. Right. The fact that right. they have done that well has been awesome. And they may get Talon back this week, right, right. all free, mm -hmm. who's, who's a really, really good player. I don't know that he'll play a bunch if he does come back this week. But, but Wakely and, and Ethan Slade, they've done a great job of understanding what they're supposed to do, staying on top of things, being the racer in the back end. So a big play for BYU – Against, against their defense, ends up being 17 yards and they make a play. Right. And the defense – they haven't been these 70-yard runs for the most part, right? I'm talking about as a general rule. They haven't been a 65-yard bomb over the top of the defense. Yeah. So let's credit those safeties for being where they're supposed to be and good corner play and enough pressure to make quarterbacks get the ball quick that these home runs haven't happened. Now, there was one last week against Texas Tech. Complete blown coverage. Like everyone in the secondary stayed – in their man coverage, and the corner thought they were checking to zone and sat and let the receiver run by on a wheel route. That's a, that's a blown coverage. So that's not a, hey, we just got beat physically by a superior athletic team. BYU's proven that athletically. They can stay on top yeah. of stuff and keep everything in front of them, which means that teams have to drive the ball and execute in the red zone to, to score. And who, when you play like that, you have a chance against anybody, including Texas this week.
More of this masterclass available tonight with Blaine Fowler on After Further Review and the guys here in Studio B, although a little bit different format. We look forward to that. Thanks, Blaine. Thanks. 7 Eastern tonight, BOA TV app, After Further Review, as mentioned. Recapping Texas Tech, talking about Texas. Check it out tonight. Up next, a Texas-sized Top 5 Tuesday. Hey. What are the Woo! top five plays all time in BYU's history against the Longhorns? This is BYU Sports Nation. We're going back to the 80s, baby. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Follow this program uh, on uh, social media. We have Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. The name of the show is uh, BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. In Studio B, I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's roll out your Tuesday headlines. BYU cornerback Eddie Heckard is the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week. That's what happens when you have four tackles, a TFL, an interception, a pass breakup, and recovered a fumble for a touchdown. And he dropped another interception, which but is killing himself we, over. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about it anymore. It's Tuesday. We're moving on. Just kidding. On the offensive side of the ball, the Cougars are looking to be better on third downs, says offensive coordinator Aaron Ryder. And our biggest problem with third down offense this year has been too many third and longs. So if, if we can continue the trend of improving in the run game a little bit and be a little more efficient on our early downs, uh, that, that'll be our best chance to improve on third down. Amen. Pre-game Saturday on BYU TV and BYU Radio starts at 1.30 Eastern time. We already talked about him, but we're going to do it again. Fred Warner, hey. 13 tackles, a tackle for loss, and a pass breakup. That incredible leap over the line, a goal line situation. But the 49ers lost 22-17 to the Minnesota Vikings. How, you ask? Because... The parody of NFL action. You just can't predict it. Puka Nakua, by the way, named the PFF Week 7 Player of the Week, or is that on the Team of the Week, I should say, recording eight catches for 154 yards against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Number seven, BYU Women's Soccer beat UCF on senior night, 3-2 from goals by Ali Fryer, Olivia Wade Katoa, and this game-winning rocket from senior Brecken Mozingo. Carol Warner wins back for BYU to Mozingo down, down the barrel. Mozingo, nice deke around the defender, goes far post, and off the post and in! What a shot and score from Brecken Mozingo! The Postal Service is always awesome. Oh, I love the Postal Service, dude. A little death cap for cutie uh, side yep. gig there. Cougars finished in second place in the Big 12, two points behind Texas Tech. Texas Tech tying BYU ultimately is the difference in that. The Cougars play in the quarterfinals of the Big 12 tournament. Oh, tournament, what's this? Next Monday against the winner of Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. I imagine that would be the Cowgirls looking forward to the tournament. BYU women's volleyball moves up one spot to number eight in the latest ABCA poll. Cougars play at Kansas State. Para matches on Thursday and Friday this week in Manhattan. And James Taft Fredette helped lead Team USA to the gold medal at the Pan American Games in Santiago, Chile. Awesome. Those are today's headlines. Now we offer some opinions in the whip. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Women's soccer went unbeaten in Big 12 regular season play, going 7-0-3, finished second in the league as mentioned. Will another BYU sport equal or better this in their first season in the league? Well, volleyball's right there, right? I mean, if, if it's gonna we be- have two losses. But yeah, we're not saying anybody else is going unbeaten, but will anyone else finish second? Oh. Think volleyball? 
Yeah, I think women's volleyball probably is on pace to finish second. Yep. Granted, volleyball doesn't have a bad loss. Soccer has no. a bad loss at Utah State. That one, oh, that one's head scratcher. That one's terrible. Right? But Volleyball's they, they bounce back nicely. Two losses, okay, are against, sorry, the two teams they've lost to are against teams that are still currently ranked above them. Texas and Washington State. Oh yeah, they're in the top 10 above BYU. And they beat Pittsburgh and have beaten like three other ranked opponents. I don't think, uh, I mean gymnastics is only five teams. So maybe you finish second to Oklahoma. Um, but base, Denver's pretty good, right? Denver's really Baseball, good. softball, uh, basketball, no. 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 I think women's volleyball is the best shot. BYU right now tied for second, two games behind Texas. I mean, where does cross country fall into the mix? Doesn't compete in the same way. It's not. It's not a little comparable. different. You're not paying. You're you're competing in like three meets, and then you go to yeah. Big Twelve championships this Saturday. By the way, I mean technically speaking, they're in a race with Oklahoma State. Literally a race, nice. Right to yeah. win it. No, it doesn't work. Okay. But uh, the the first Big Twelve title titles come this Saturday. By the way, in let's cross go country. cross country. Absolutely could happen, and probably should happen. Speaking of titles, Jimmer Fredette, yeah, gold medal, Pan American Games. He's pacing to compete for Team USA in three-on-three basketball in Paris in the 2024 Olympics. Yeah. So my question is, would an Olympic medal for Jimmer Fredette equal the pinnacle of his basketball career? I'm gonna say National Player of the Year is still the top thing. That was I, unbelievable! I, like, winning an Olympic medal is unbelievable, like in any sport, even if he switched to sports. Three-on-three three is not five-on-five. Five. It does not carry the uh, interest or prestige. Uh, but no, getting a medal is amazing. Don't get me wrong. I just think winning National Player of the Year as like a 6'2 kid that got like three scholarship offers is unbelievable. Yes, Jimmer Fredette owned the basketball world for this sliver of time, where every NBA player, is watching what this kid from Provo, Utah is gonna do for BYU in the NCAA tournament, throughout the Mountain West Conference tournament. He led the nation in scoring, National Player of the Year. That's the pinnacle. There could be multiple peaks. That was just gonna be a little bit higher than an Olympic medal would be for Jimmer. But it would still be a peak. I can't, yep. I can't wait, and it's gonna happen. Jimmer Fredette, the greatest missionary of all time. Reached more people than Paul, which is wild. I can't, I can't I am, wait to watch I him in Paris. Paris. He's going to compete for Team USA. In Paris! Let's go. Green Bay Packers uh, reporter Cassidy Hill tweeted out this video asking, is Zane Anderson even real, bro? <laughs> it's Utah. Yeah, we have strange pains over there. Zane Anderson uh, is real. We know this, and he's spectacular. How do we know this isn't AI, but this is really Zane? Uh, so here's my thing. That can happen now, apparently. Like, I know you're, you're intrigued by his name, but it almost felt like an, just an insult. Wait, that's your name? Like, don't do that. Don't be that person. Jerem, that's, that's your name? I do have to explain my name to people because it's from the Book of Mormon, right? People have never seen the spelling of my name in their life if they haven't read the Book of Mormon. So, so I, in, in fact, I kind of enjoy that, actually. I'm sure she I'm okay didn't mean to be condescending, but like that question to me feels condescending. I think her team, uh, sorry, his teammates were having some fun with him, with the reporter. So I'm not as maybe put off as you seem to be, but. Is even real? Yeah. Yeah, it's my name. <laughs> it's weird in Utah. He's having to explain why he has his name. Well, the, yeah, and I thought that was about one of his teacher's names. I think that was, to me, I thought that was the context oh, okay. of one of his teacher's names was a little different. And Zane's unique too. <laughs> How many Z names are there? I have a daughter with a V name. Like it's different. Vienna? No, Vena. It's all good. I embrace it. This is the land of weird names with the end being Lee. Isn't the there a famous Zane from a boy band? Right? No, is there? 
Zane from One Boy Direction. Man. Blaine, anybody? Oh, oh, in One what Direction. Is, is it that weird? Yeah. Is, is, that, is his name that weird? But he's British, so who knows? <laughs> hey, check out the blue and white scrimmage. Uh, BYU men's basketball coming up tomorrow night on BYU TV. 9 Eastern time, our first look at the boys in blue and white ahead of the season. Let's go. go. You're right. You know what? I, I like Zane a lot. I'm going to be defensive because I just Zane's my guy. Zaniel. He's my, he's my guy. Up next, Uncle B, also my guy, joins us to describe what would surprise him in the final five games for BYU football. Can he see the Cougars winning three? This is BYU Sports Nation. Speaking of boy band charm. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B, and we have a couple of sensational super seniors here. I've been here so long. Man. From BYU Women's Soccer. I can't believe soccer. they're leaving. Like, <laughs> I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. First time, yeah. What's up? Super in so many ways. Yep. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you, Thanks, guys. You got a little bit of a break here before the tournament. Um, it feels like just game, practice, game, practice. Like, what? Do you feel like you have a breather before you get into this Big 12 tournament? Like, what, what's the schedule like over the next few days? Yeah, well, we haven't, we played Monday, right? It was our last Big 12 conference game, and then don't play till next Monday. So, with the Big 12 schedule, it's been so busy. Yes. This Thursday, Monday, the traveling, it's been a lot. So, to have this week and to kind of regroup and take a break a little bit has been nice. That is nice. Thanks for getting all three goals out in the first half because I had to take my five-year-old home. Yeah, so I left yeah. at halftime. The game-winning goal had already been yeah, scored. Good. Go. So I really appreciate you. that. Yeah. Thank you for being so unselfish. So, so aware. <laughs> this, this tournament thing is new, right? WCC didn't do this. Um, so Olivia, what's it like to like go into this tourney and frankly, hopefully you meet up with Texas Tech in the end and mm -hmm. have an opportunity for a big win to maybe get a one seed? How are you guys feeling? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the goal is obviously to go in and do some damage in the Big 12 tournament. We're super excited. Obviously, the WCC didn't have this, and I think it's a great opportunity for us to prepare for the NCAA tournament. So I feel like just getting this experience a little bit earlier will really help boost us into the NCAA tournament. And like you said, we are playing for a one seed that is on the table still, and so as long as we go take care of business, I think that's something we can definitely go get. BYU women's soccer standouts, Jamie Shepard and Olivia Way Katoa are on BYU Sports Nation. As you compare and contrast the Big 12 <clears throat> with the West Coast Conference, now that you've gone through a full Big 12 regular season, and both of you can chime in on this, mm -hmm. what's been the biggest difference between playing in the WCC compared to the Big 12? I think right when we jumped into the Big 12, I, the first thing I did was kind of compare the teams. And looking at them, it was like, okay, the Big 12 has normally a couple, three or four top teams that are normally in the top 25, and mm -hmm. so does the WCC. But I think overall the Big 12 has just been a little bit more competitive. And going to these bigger schools, bigger name schools, bigger um, – and nicer facilities and fields. Everything has just felt bigger to me. Mm -hmm. um, but it's been super fun to, for our senior year, go and play some new teams and some new competition. And I'm grateful I got one year in the Big 12. Yeah, it's been so fun. And especially, I feel like the soccer has been a lot different than maybe the kind of soccer that we've seen in the WCC. Mm -hmm. I feel like West Coast soccer is definitely different from maybe like Southern soccer. Yeah. A lot of it has been 
a little bit sure. different. So Correct me I if I'm wrong, but the WCC felt finesse at times. Yes. The Big 12 feels very physical. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Is that fair? Sometimes finesse yes. is considered weaker, but it's not. Yeah. It, there's more just, style maybe mm -hmm. in finesse. Yes. Yeah. As opposed to physical, just like more power. I don't For know. Sure. How would you guys I mean, think? yeah, there's pros and cons to, to each. Mm -hmm. I feel mm -hmm. like, um, you know, the Big 12 teams, they're very talented, but I feel like as well, they're very fast, they're very strong, they're very tall. And I feel like it's a lot different from maybe the West Coast Conference where, you know, you just have a lot of really crafty players and that's kind of about as far as it goes. And that's not a knock on the WCC. They're obviously a really strong um, conference as well. It's just very different, I feel like, in terms of style of play. So. And, and the WCC, I think Santa Clara was better than the rest of the group traditionally, but Texas Tech has emerged as this sort of contender, right, with BYU in terms of like, hey, we're top 10, we want to be a one seed. So what's at stake next week in terms of trying to get a one seed? Because the RPI is three, but honestly, you probably need to get to the title game and beat Texas Tech. Is that how you feel? I would say yes. Okay. Um, yeah, next week's going to be big for us, and we're hoping – to make it to that final game and hopefully win. I think that will be huge. Um, like you said, our RPI is at a three and winning can only help us. So we're hoping for that. And this tournament, like it's a good league, it's good teams. You're not killed by a late game at yeah. name school mm -hmm. that's in the 200s, right? Mm -hmm. Which is awesome. I know that you're all, I mean, you're both competitive. Very, very no. Just a little ultra no. crazy competitive. Massive, okay. mild manners. And if I had competitive rankings for everybody on the roster, you two would be probably at the top, okay? Like you're, you're up there, right. yeah. okay? That said, because of what happened against TCU and Texas Tech, do you want to see both of those teams in the Big 12 tournament? There were ties. For oh, yeah. yeah. We've yes. talked about that. We've been talking yes. about that, I feel like, ever since the bracket came out, just how excited we are to kind of have a little revenge tour. <laughs> Everyone that we play, you know, we've either tied or beat. So, I mean, it's a great opportunity for us to really go finish what we started during the season. So, yeah, yeah. we're just super excited for that. So excited to see TCU on that same side. <laughs> <laughs> like, couldn't have worked out better. Yep. Is it, how did you guys rebound from two moments in the season? One is losing at Utah State. It's your only loss. Mm -hmm. And then uh, TCU at home. It's a huge crowd. It's the Big 12. Yeah. Tie. And you come back to tie. Like, you needed a great effort. How have you guys sort of regrouped? Because in 2021, you rallied post-UVU loss to go to the national title game. Mm -hmm. Have these two in some way rallied this group again in a similar manner? I would think so, yeah. I just We talk a lot about um, there's going to be lots of highs and lots of lows in the season, and no season is perfect. And, um, we, it was almost pretty perfect. Almost. <laughs> almost. We honestly rather have these, those moments yeah. you know, earlier in the season. I think they're good for us, and they've helped us grow, and we've learned a lot and have only gotten better from, there, from them. And so as sucky as they are, those highs and those lows, they're definitely needed and are going to propel us to do hopefully great things. Is it weird to feel like you could have two more games or nine more games? It is There's weird. a lot that could happen mm -hmm. here. Yeah. I always feel like this part of the season's very interesting just because yeah. you're like, all right, we could be playing till December or, you know, we could be done pretty, pretty early. And so yeah. I feel like, you know, just taking it game by game, making sure that we are playing yeah. until December is kind of just our main focus, just taking it one game at a time. 100 games played for Jamie most in BYU history. Yep. Let's go, Jamie. <laughs> Come on, and, then, and then you're up there too, Liz. Super senior. I feel like I'm in the 90s somewhere, but hey. Like a, like She's up there. Almost 200 a mere games 90-ish. <laughs> Just 90. Hey, I'm not at 100. That's triple digits right there. Gosh. That's, uh, that's unbelievable. All the players in BYU history. 
Number incredible. one in games played. Thank That's you, awesome. COVID. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have other words for COVID uh, off camera, but yeah. All right, we'll finish with this. Everybody, every team wants home field advantage during the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. You were gangbusters on the road in the Big 12 specifically. Yeah. You dominated on the Last road. year in the NCAA tournament. Yes. Yeah. So, weirdly, you play super well on the road. Like, is, what is it? What is it about that? Why, why do you play so well on the road? I think there's something about being on the road. It's just you and your teammates and your coaches. And you're just, you know, you kind of have to come together and just lock it in. And obviously, being at BYU, we get a great fan base wherever we go. Um, and normally have more fans than the home team. And Round so, Rock, Texas, let's go. Yeah, let's go. honestly, any game is a home game for us. But True. I think something about those home games, we know we kind of have to show up. So, yeah. All right, let's go. Good, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma. Yeah. Take the karma. Have Round fun. Rock, Texas. Let's Saturday. go. Yes. All the karma. Spirit fingers. Monday, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State winner. Yep. Let's okay. go. Yes. We called you super seniors. But super can mean a lot of things, right? Super yeah. duper seniors. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks okay. for joining us. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right. Up next on BYU Sports Nation. Well, listen, soccer is not the only team competing at a high level in Texas this weekend. Football team's in Austin. So what gives you hope they can go gangbusters on the road? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Sports Nation is on demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU radio apps or listen to the podcast. And while you're there, please subscribe, rate, and review. Today's Rise and Shout Out is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Gideon George held another shoe drive yesterday. 500 shoes donated. Uh, you can still donate at Cooperative Utah. Shout out to Cooperative Utah and the Royal Blue Collective for helping organize the event. He's graduated, but he continues to give I back love to he's still his doing home it. country of Nigeria. Very cool. But thanks to today's uh, guest, Eddie Heckert. Conversation continues 24-7 on X, Instagram, and Facebook. This and all of our shows are on demand on BYUSN.com. Five and two at number seven, Texas. Loaded week still on tap on BYU Sports Nation. And of course on game day coming up Saturday. For Jason, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Jordan Cameron. Go Cougs, beat the horn. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Next on BYUSN, with one of the toughest schedules in the nation remaining, what would shock us from BYU football in the final five games? Plus, my one-on-one with offensive lineman Paul Miley. Blaine Fowler joins us as well. He thinks the BYU offense has a big game in them in the final five. And we've got a Texas-sized edition of Top 5 Tuesday. You better believe these two plays are going to be in there. Uh-huh. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday, October 24th. I am Spencer Linton. He is a man who likes to take things in a single bound, Jerem Jordan. Last night, Fred Warner uh, pulled the Comrail, dove over at the goal line, got a stop on Kirk Cousins, uh, which was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. So the BYU fans know, hey, historically, this, this is the Comrail. 1984 at Hawaii in a must-have game. BYU wins this game 18-13, holds 
uh, Hawaii to a field goal. I believe it was on third down. Kyle Morrell jumps over the goal line. And does a flip. Yeah. And so Fred, Freddie uh, kind of showing us the Kyle So that was pretty cool. L- uh, luckily, Fred was okay. It looked like he got seriously hurt in last night's game. Came back in the game. He was all right. Uh, Vikings end up pulling off the upset. But, yeah, what a, what a play by Fred, man. Unbelievable. One of our comrades, Hunter Miller said, Fred Warner does something amazing every single game. And I was like, you it's, know what? You're right. It's He real. does something amazing every single game he plays in. I mean, he's uh, obviously Steve Young's the greatest player, college and pro combined ever from BYU. But, like, Fred is way up there on the list. I, I did not see Fred being, like, a top five all-time BYU football game. You never do. Like, is Puka going to be the greatest receiver in the NFL from BYU? Like, yeah, he puts up uh, two seasons of this. He's going to pass Austin Collie, which is hard to do. Austin is, is the GOAT. The superlatives surrounding BYU football in the NFL continue to amaze me. It's awesome, man. You have the best linebacker in the game. You have probably the most cherished personality in the game in Jamal Williams. You have the most unique player in all of the NFL in Taysom Hill. And you have maybe the best rookie I mean, he's in the conversation. He's in the conversation. He's in the conversation in Puka Nakua. Yeah. No, he is. Uh, fantasy football, everyone's trying to grab him after week one. And let's not forget Zach Wilson, who, for better or worse, is the he's most discussed constantly. talked about player in the NFL, it feels like. Sometimes, yeah. No, it's, it's great, man. <laughs> this, this is probably what it was like in the 80s, where it was like, yeah, we just have dudes that on Sunday we enjoy watching. Yes, ab- absolutely. On that note, rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. BYU has risen up and beaten teams they're not supposed to beat. BYU needs to simultaneously attack and then play more cleanly. They're very active. They're very aggressive. And when the opportunity arises, they take advantage of it. A season-long underdog role for BYU football. You just heard from ESPN's Trevor Maddich saying, BYU's beaten teams they weren't supposed to beat on paper. It's going to be this way the rest of the season. Yeah. BYU will be an underdog for the final five games, including, obviously, against top 10 Texas in Austin. Has BYU been a favorite in a Power 5 game? No. <laughs> It'll be over all year it in terms maybe, of Vegas? Maybe right? will swing their way with Iowa State, depending on what happens over the next few weeks. But even that seems iffy. BYU yeah. wasn't a home favorite against Cincinnati, for crying out loud. Yeah. They were still a one-point dog when that game kicked off. Well, it's amazing. It ended up being, in some places, even with Cincinnati. But you weren't, you weren't uh, the favorite, I guess you could say. So with that in mind, and looking ahead at one of the toughest remaining schedules in the country, fifth toughest, according to ESPN's Football Power Index, BYU's given all of a 5% chance to win at Texas, 33.5% chance at West Virginia the week following, it's, it, this is what BYU is dealing with. It's, it's what they're going to deal with the whole season. So, BYU deserves this by the way they're playing on offense, by the way. I, like, I agree. Does it mean I think BYU is going to lose all the games? No. The metrics, I agree with those numbers. The numbers and the metrics that BYU has put forth absolutely make sense when you look at – sorry, the percentages – of chance winning that they are given yeah. makes sense based on what BYU has done offensively. Yes, it, but what you don't account for is, oh, BYU is going to take the ball away. Turnovers. And if they do, they win. Field if they, position. If they do not, they lose. Yes. Like, uh, TCU is the exception, just straight up got beat, just manhandled. Ken Kansas, you lose because of turnovers. Yes. And then you win all the other Power 5 games because takeaways. 
Ken Pomeroy has the luck metric in basketball. Yeah. If BYU had a luck metric in football, It'd it would be, be near the top of the country. You need some luck. You need yeah. some good things to happen your yeah. way. Five and two. <laughs> <laughs> to me, Spencer, <clears throat> this is the peak moment this week of how uh, many games above 500 BYU will be and the lead-up to a big game. Yes. This is, to me, I, I, I wish it wasn't, but to me, this is as good as it gets this season. Five and two, feeling good, going into a big game. This is the pinnacle. Okay. I want there to be other pinnacles. Don't get me wrong. I want BYU to like win at West Virginia, beat Iowa State, and then say, no, 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 it wasn't five and two. It was seven and three, right? I want that, but I'm not sure that will happen. Okay. So that said, Jerem, over the final five games, what record in the win-loss column for BYU football would surprise you? Okay, five left. Zero wins would surprise me. Me too. But also three wins would surprise me. It would shock me. It would shock me, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> one or two wins is kind of where I'm sitting. Um, and, you look, yeah, you look at the FPI rank. Like, okay, what BYU played at the beginning of the year? The teams that BYU has beaten, 9-28 mm-hmm. record. Yep. Arkansas and Cincinnati stink. I hate to say it. That Arkansas win was still good. Don't get me wrong. Just they have not performed well. Teams that BYU beat, 9-6. and six. TCU's 4-4. Four four. They're a 500 team. That's hard to swallow when you lose by 33. The remaining five opponents, 26-9. Uh, 26-9 and nine. Six and nine combined. When I say enjoy it, when I say, hey, this is awesome, it's going to be tougher, 26-9. and nine. Like, if, if BYU wins one game, they're bowl eligible. I believe that will happen. Can BYU win a second is the question. Can BYU get to seven and five? That's the hope and prayer of this here BYU Sports Nation. I know there are many of you out there that are looking at those final five games and are thinking, well, if BYU wins two of those, that would surprise me. I have been on the seven wins train forever. I'm not about to get off. Okay? This BYU typically will win a game or two where you're just like, huh? Did not see that coming. Didn't expect it. But then they'll drop a game or two where you're like, oh, gosh. And so over the final five, and given the history of BYU against Power Fives, with the win one you shouldn't, win one you probably should, I expect BYU to go two and three. They win 40% of their Power Five. I games. think Arkansas was the surprise one, by the way, already. I think we already had it. I'm hoping for another one. But I don't want the, oh, we did not see BYU losing all three to the non-Texas Oklahomas. That would be bad. Then you may not go to a bowl game. You know, now that I think about it, because the final five are so tough, would any of those games be like, oh, man, I did not see BYU losing that game? No. No, FBI's <laughs> screaming at us that they should lose all five. <laughs> like, or just win one, you know? But I, mean, I, I get it. Some of you are thinking, like, just win one more game. Two would surprise me. I, I think BYU's going to win seven games. I, I think they will that'd figure be, out a that'd way. That'd be nice given how bad the offense has been. They'll figure out a way with turnovers good. and field position, and yeah. they're a well-disciplined team, and they've been opportunistic. They'll figure out a way to win two of the final five games. Three would absolutely shock me, though. If you go three would be four. Well, riddle me. Well, we may save this topic. If we don't do it, I'll just uh, tweet about it anyway. Uh, <laughs> is Would you rather beat Texas or Oklahoma and lose the rest? Or win the non-Texas Oklahoma three. I would get take, to eight wins. I would take those in a heartbeat. I'd get to eight wins. I would that, too. Like, I don't. You care. go six and six, but you have this like memorable top ten win, or you're eight and four, 
and uh, yeah. you, you had a really nice regular season. Now you've won at West Virginia and at Oklahoma State, and you've beaten Iowa and State in Pro. At Arkansas. You had like three P5 road wins in one year, which probably yeah. has never happened, I'm guessing. And you have a winning record in the Big 12 at 5-4, and four, and you're going to a nice bowl game. You're going to not uh, Shreveport. Shreveport. Yeah. <laughs> you think BYU breaks the huddle with not Shreveport? Is that ever like a huddle break? <laughs> it should be on like, our show. Like, <laughs> like before the show, we're like, all right, let's have a great show. Not, Not Shreveport. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> I, yeah, hopefully BYU surprises us in a good way. I don't want a surprise in a bad way. Um, but what BYU has shown is that when it is highly undervalued against hmm. like top seven teams, hmm. like 20-point dogs, they do stuff, okay. which brings us to the stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Cougar stats! BYU opened up as a 20-and-a-half-point underdog to number seven Texas. The Whoa. last two times a 20-plus point underdog BYU faced a top seven team. 09, win versus Oklahoma, number three, 14-13. And 2018, win versus number six, Wisconsin. Okay. Oh, ho, 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 ho! Well, 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 <laughs> how the turns table. I like that stat. Is BYU going to be picked <laughs> as a super dog? By somebody on ESPN's College Game Day. Herb Street did it for TCU, so he's not going work, back didn't there. Didn't work out well for Kirk that day. Yeah, um, and well, it hasn't worked out all year for Kirk in Superdogs. He has been <laughs> terrible. But or me for Big Twelve Roundup. But how about that, man? That's when, unbelievable. Like <sighs> the last two oh, times you've been a twenty-plus point underdog. Let me let me tell you, you about those games and why they're different than the, the situation. Oh nine, BYU's really good. Mm-hmm. That's a all, that's a top ten all-time BYU team. Okay, Sam Bradford gets hurt. That helps. Number uh, 20, Colby Claston's on the staff, by the way, for BYU. Yes, he is. Um, okay, 2018. Squally Canada outrushes Jonathan Taylor, who's with the Colts now in that game. That, that was, th- does BYU have um, the run support to merit something like that? But in Oklahoma, it was a grinder. You, Harvey Younger didn't play in that game. He was, he was injured. Brian Correa carried that. So you you don't have to also, be also Wisconsin finished eight and five. Yeah, yeah, it was not a uh, top ten Wisconsin team. They are not as good but as Texas. When you beat a team who won wins eight games on the road, that is a good win. It's always a great there's win. There's not a ton of those in BYU history. I, I don't know offhand, but there's not a lot of those. And on Oklahoma road, and Wisconsin plus, both finished with eight wins in those seasons. Tennessee 2019 yep. is one of those as well. They are hard to come by. Arkansas is not going to be one of those, right? Um, typically, that team's not that good. That's why you won. Woo pig. Woo pig suey. Win the final bacon. four and go to a bowl game. We will eat bacon again for you. <laughs> um, so let's see what BYU can do, man. Let's go. All but, right. Like, why not? Just go compete. See if you can't. Like, if you lose to Texas by 20, you were picked to do that. Yes. Like, who cares? You move on to West Virginia, go get a win there. Okay. Fifth toughest schedule remaining for BYU over the final five games of any college football team in America, according to ESPN's FPI. Fifth well, then. toughest. Granted, they have Texas and Oklahoma in there, and you got to go on the road to West Virginia and, and Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. State. Oklahoma State looks good now. <laughs> There's, so I think we're all circling Iowa State as, okay, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I, Matt Campbell and Iowa win. State. Yeah. And they are playing much better as well. Yeah. The clone's in town, man. Okay. It's our two for Tuesday. We have two questions okay. on this day. Of course, question one is, which record would surprise you in the final five games? You've heard what Jeremy and I think. Zero yeah. wins would surprise us. Yep. I think anything two or more would be a surprise for us two's to not a degree. Two is not a shock. Three, Three would be a, would be a shocker. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sydney Bauerbank answers on Instagram. 
Realistically, three and two would yeah. surprise me, considering the rest of the season, BYU faces the top four teams in the Big 12. Oh, I didn't think about that. <laughs> well, then. I see BYU winning one, maybe it's true for the top five. two more conference games, but we can hope, right? Let's win out, end the season 10 and two, plus a bowl. Ten and two. <laughs> blue goggle alert. Nice. Blue yeah. goggle alert. Laughing blue slash crying. Alert. We have some huge blue goggle goggles alert. on the way that'll be on the set soon enough. Yeah, th- those won't even fit with ten we're, and two. We're gonna need yeah. those. Yeah. <laughs> Question number two: Which is the most winnable game left on the BYU schedule? We were FPI just says Iowa State. Opining about that? Yes, FPI says forty-three yeah. percent chance to beat Iowa State. Mm-hmm. What do you think at Texas, Iowa State, at West Virginia, Oklahoma, or at Oklahoma State? Let's just pause for a moment and relish. Like it's October twenty-fourth, mm-hmm. and we have compelling games. Granted, probably too hard, but this is what we want. Uh, and BYU's five and two. And BYU's in a league in the power. Like this is not old hat. This is still new and exciting. This is awesome. You know what's crazy is if BYU can somehow channel that stat of the day trend and shock Texas, they'll be six and two. And ranked. ranked. (laughs) You could be ranked next week with like so many issues on offense, but just win. What a funny game. Aaron Roderick yesterday said on Coordinator's Corner, it was very interesting. Love that show. Um, Not paid promotion. Just love it. That they all scheme on each side of the ball just to win the game. Like, it makes sense, but like, there are certain play calls that come from Aaron dictated on, well, we're up 20, and our defense is playing good. And it's worked so far. It's worked so yes. far. You, it's hard to critique. I know it's not as creative and explosive and, and even efficient as, and effective as we yes. want. Yes, they can do better. No, I'm not saying they can't. They can, yeah, they stink in a lot of areas. But, like, hey, BYU's 5-2. Yes. I, I'm, I'm more than happy. And, listen, we had some people coming after us because of what was said on the show yesterday about, hell, yeah, well, you guys are the experts on offense. Uh, you clearly know more than Aaron Rodgers. No. Not saying that. No, never said but that. I do know what Kalani Satake told me after the game when he pointed to the scoreboard and said, we need to score more. We need to be yeah, more aggressive on obvious. offense. Yeah, come on. He, the head ball coach, said that. Yeah. So I trust Aaron. And, frankly, he beat Texas Tech with the formula that he had instituted in the second half. But when the head coach was is like, it, I want to see want? a little more. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. There's got to be improvement on that side of the ball. Because what I wanted was 40 points. I wanted just yes. a straight blowout. At least 30. At least 30 when Which, you're plus five. By the way, that's the third largest margin of victory versus a Power 5 team for BYU since 2016. 13-point win. Mm-hmm. How about that? Yeah, no, it was really good. And, and it took it was, a late fourth-quarter touchdown. It was the fewest points allowed versus a Power 5 since Michigan State 2016 as well in a win. Or just... Straight up. Yeah. It was a better game than you think. Like, when I looked at it yesterday, I was like, oh, this is better than you think. All right. Answering question number two is Sean McCleary on Instagram. Answering which is the most winnable game left on BYU's schedule. Tough slate. The most winnable looks like Iowa State in Provo. Mainly because that is at home. Not top ten team at home. Better than, uh, easier than Oklahoma. Winning any of the road games will be a surprise, but the most winnable road game is probably West Virginia even though that is a tall task. And we still don't know the kick time there. No. It's in a six-day window. They flexed into a six-day, which I cannot remember the last time this happened with BYU before. Well, it's one of, what, five games in yeah. the league, I think, next week? Gimme. But they're like, hey, we are looking ahead. Let's go ahead and kick 7 p.m. Eastern time in Morgantown. There's no way. Let's get that five, that 5 o'clock mountain window. <laughs> screams noon Eastern on the deuce. That's 10 a.m. mountain? No! I know. <laughs> 
That's the death knell of BYU. I'm trying to think how many times has BYU won that game. Like road game, noon Eastern. Early start, Eastern time zone. Has BYU won that game before? I, I can't even recall. I can't even recall. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. It looks like I'm diving into CougarStats.com on KickTouch yeah, today. When, yeah, when was the last time BYU won Hold my Eastern calls. time zone I'm looking for game with an early kick? Yeah, not good. What will be good, continue to weigh in on our two questions of the day, uh, is BYU football with Kalani Satake tonight. Jackson Cravens is the guest on the program. 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Yesterday I spoke with BYU offensive lineman Paul Miley. He has transitioned from center to guard. Why he says he loves the change and why it's making a difference. This is BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Here are what the coaches athletes and experts have to say here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation our guards both played their best game Paul Miley and Waylon Lapuaho both played very well they were both really physical in the run game and were a big part of the reason why we had our best rushing game of the year Oh, high praise for Paul Miley and Waylon Lapuajo from their offensive coordinator. Very high praise. By the way, quick look on CougarStats.com. Yeah, yeah. Um, is, uh, you said UMass 2019 was a noon kick. Noon kick and BYU won. What? Well, you know you know what isn't UMass? Uh, Big 12. <laughs> Does UMass even count? <laughs> Let's go no. ahead and just go to, go to the next one. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not available. Okay. No. no. We are live in Studio B. Oh, high energy today. Your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play continues. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Paul Miley is the topic of the moment, and I had an interview with him yesterday to discuss his recent position change, moving from center to guard. Connor Pay comes in at center. There's been some shuffling along the offensive line. Paul explains why that's been a really good thing for BYU. He also talks about the opportunity to play in front of 100,000-plus in Austin. This is my one-on-one BYU Sports Nation interview with Paul Miley. Paul, when I present you the idea of playing in front of over 100,000 fans against a top-10 college football team, where do you go mentally and emotionally with that? Um, mentally and emotionally, it's just exciting. You know what I mean? that When you tell me 100,000 fans, I mean, that's exciting to me, and I can't wait for the opportunity you know I mean, to be able to showcase what our team as you know what I mean, and I mean, bring it. I heard Austin is a great environment, you know what I mean? Great game day environment, so I can't wait. What do you know about Texas's defense at this point and how they're going to try and disrupt you guys? I mean, they got a really good defense. I mean, a lot of athletic freaks, a lot of dudes, and uh, specifically a really good D-line. So I know they're going to try to apply that pressure, you know, and really try to get after us. But uh, I know if we can play our game and – I feel like we can match up with anyone in the country. So just again, you know, excited for the opportunity. I know they're a really good, well-coached team, got a lot of good players. So can't wait for the opportunity. You've been around and involved in college football for a long time. You've seen a lot of different defensive fronts and you've seen elite defensive lines in your time at Utah and certainly here at BYU. So will Texas do anything that's going to be unique that you have not seen? I mean, they could, you know what I mean? I feel like, as you're saying, played against a lot of really good D-lines, and, I mean, they got a really good D-line, so, I mean, they probably could, but end of the day, I know if I can control what I can control and 
you know what I mean, play technique sound and play my game of football, then uh, I don't care who's out, out in front of me, you know. So just excited for the opportunity. Paul Miley is with us on BYU Sports Nation. You and the offensive line and the offense in whole put together the best running game that BYU has had this season, 150 rushing yards. L.J. Martin, Aiden Robbins running behind you and your guys up front. What was the difference, in your opinion, that allowed a breakthrough performance that you haven't had until the game against Texas Tech? Uh, I feel like the biggest difference was was just being able to start fast. You know, LJ breaking that long 50-yard run, second play of the game was huge and was definitely a big momentum boost for us and definitely the spark we needed. So I feel like having that on our first drive and being able to build off of that was huge. And, I mean, it showed in the results of the game. I mean, we were able to rush for 150, so it was awesome. What's it like to have Aiden Robbins back and healthy running behind you? A train. That's my guy, man. And definitely brings a whole different energy, not just the, I mean, what he can do on the field, but just his energy he brings. I mean, always juiced up and always, I don't know. He just, you, you definitely want to block for a guy like that. So it was big time having A train back. Things have been switched up on the offensive line a little bit. You and Waylon are playing at the guards. Connor is back at center. Braden Kime is now one of the tackles along with Kingsley. How do you feel about the solidarity of the group up front and the way that the starting five is concocted right now? So I uh, like it a lot. You know what I mean? It's uh, what the coaches feel is best and what they feel will help the team the most. So I feel like everyone's pretty happy. And it's just, I don't know. I haven't played guard in a while. So I feel like it's <laughs> been an awesome, you know what I mean, awesome experience so far. And I started off as a guard. You know what I mean, I played center majority of my time during college, but I started off as a guard. So it's nice to play guard again, be able to pull, you know, be able to run and just show what I can do with my athleticism. And then CPA's done a heck of a job at center. You know what I mean? really being the anchor that we need and making all those calls. And then Waylon, you know, he's young, but he's a baller. So, and then our tackles, Kime and Kingsley doing their thing. So I feel like it's, it's been great. You know what I mean? And hopefully we can keep on building off of, uh, I mean, the starting five we have right now. You already mentioned it a little bit, the differences between playing center and guard, but if you could specify the biggest difference there moving from center to guard. Biggest difference is I feel like center is, you're just another quarterback. I mean, you got to know what everybody's doing. Got to tell everybody what who to block. I mean, see like if any who's blitzing. It's like a guard, you can just yeah, it's you get a lot more one on ones, but you can just play fast. You only got to worry about your own job, worry about what me and Kingsley got to do. But but yeah, the biggest thing is just that mental aspect. Center, you you got to be on your. I mean, know a lot of different know know everything that's going on. A great answer. And uh, maybe in a weird way that benefits you having done that with uh, being able to help out some of the other guys, like you, you find yourself being a coach, even though you're not the center, still t- taking on some of those offensive line quarterbacking roles. Yes, sir. Yeah, I feel like it's nice having two. You know what I mean, I mean, even when I was the center and CPA was the guard, we always just joke around. It's like we got two centers on the line. So like we should never like not be on the same page. So yeah, I feel like it's, I don't know. I haven't. I feel like I haven't been able to play like this fast in a really long time because at center, it's like you think it's snap, and then you're thinking, all right, what's everyone else doing? So it's just it's nice to be able to play fast and just physical, you know. So, but yeah, I feel like see a lot of things and help out Connor where I can. So now the offensive line has taken some heat, and to your credit, you guys have accepted accountability. You've gotten better, and maybe some of that is undue or unfair, but. Where do you feel like the offensive line has gotten better since the beginning of the season? 
and where you still need to even be better? Um, I feel like where the offensive line has done well during the season is just protecting, you know. I feel like we've done a really good job straining in the past pro and really trying to keep Keaton clean. There's a couple times, yeah, I mean, he has gotten hit, but it's just got to strain a little bit longer. But I feel like we have done a really great job in the pass protection and then just trying to establish that run game. I know we could run the ball, and I know everyone in this building know we can run the ball, but we just haven't been able to show it until this last week. So it's just building off of that in practice and trying to just establish it more. And, yeah, I feel like just getting that ground game going. How do you handle that um, criticism emotionally and and – maybe work through it and then use it to motivate you? Um, for me personally, I feel like it's just, if they're not in this football building, you shouldn't really take away any criticism anyone has to say. You know what I mean? Just worry about the opinions of those that actually matter. You know what I mean? And everyone in this building and yeah, just take it with a grain of salt, I guess, and just do what you can do, control what you can control and just work hard every day. Well, hey, I mean, you can point to a five and two record at this point right now as a pretty good indicator of, of where this team is through seven games. And you're going to be a big underdog going to Texas. But Sorry. I'm guessing that like your teammates, you relish that that underdog mentality. So uh, how how much do you buy into that and, and discuss it with the guys when you know that you're not going to be the favorite, but you have a chance to disrupt the college football world? I mean, just excited. You know, I mean, it is what it is. Just always got to play with a chip on our shoulders. So I just see it as more motivation. So excited for the opportunity and can't wait for the Saturday. Oh, man. Neither can we, for sure. Looking forward <laughs> to watching you play in front of that raucous crowd in an amazing college football environment. Uh, Paul, appreciate uh, how open you are and, and honest. And and here's some BYU Sports Nation karma. Take it. Go play well. Share it with your offensive line, brethren. And we'll see you in Austin. Will do. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate y'all time. Paul Miley on BYU Sports Nation. I thought it was very interesting that he said, yeah, I, I kind of forgot how much I loved being at guard and just being able to focus on my specific responsibilities there and just almost take like a mental breather for a second at center instead of having to be the quarterback for everybody. It just it feels like a good fit back at guard for Paul and Connor back doing his thing at center. Connor was so good last year at center on one of the best BYU offensive lines ever. And you're trying to find something that works uh, with Daryl Funk and Harvey Young in the run game and, and uh, Aaron Roderick calling the plays, right? And it hasn't totally worked. So you've had to mix things. We saw, you know, a little more Simi Moala at, at right tackle. Uh, we've seen Braden Kime. Braden Kime's you know, been getting the start the last two games at right tackle. There you go. So, yeah, we've had, uh, you know, mix and match to try and find it. Cause, and now with Aiden Robbins back, perhaps it's different. Hopefully it is. And Saturday, we've got you covered for a two-hour pregame on BYUSN Game Day. Spencer live from Austin and the boys, including Austin Colley, who's doing a great job. Fun to watch Austin with uh, with the guys. 1.30 Eastern on Saturday, two hours, baby. Yeah, a couple of Austin features on BYU Sports Nation Game Day. One by name and the other in the city where the game's going to take Austin place. Which Austin shall prevail? Let's go. Hopefully both. Up next, is Jimmer Fredette about to reach the pinnacle of his basketball career? We'll explain next on BYU Sports Nation. You're saying playing New Mexico, wasn't it? We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok.
Welcome back to Studio B for your Cougar Sports day-to-day play-by-play. I am Jeremy, he is Jason. Let's get to today's headlines. BYU football will make the trip to Austin, Texas to play number seven Texas on Saturday. BYU defensive coordinator Jay Hill spoke to the media yesterday about preparing to play a very talented Longhorn team and how this week is just business as usual. He's got elite talent around him. They, they got a great run game. They got a great throwing game. Um, we got to do some things, obviously, to try to confuse just them in the run game and the throw game. But um, yeah, I mean, this is business as usual. We need to just handle our business first and foremost. And um, you know, it doesn't really matter who's the quarterback out there. We got to expect they're going to play their best. Pre-game coverage for Saturday's game begins at 1.30 p.m. Eastern time on both BYU TV and BYU Radio. Also, in other football news, ESPN's Jordan Reed has offensive tackle Kingsley Suamata'ia going 27th overall to the Cowboys in his latest 2024 NFL mock draft. It is never too early to look at mock drafts. Never, ever. Tonight's previously scheduled men's hoops blue and white game is canceled. Next Wednesday, a week from today, the Cougar shows Life Pacific and in, from San Dimas, California, which induces the, uh, the quote from Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, San Dimas High School Football rocks! Or rules. It's rules. It's rules. It Dang is it. rules. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have a week to uh, tune that up. <laughs> Pre-game at 8 Eastern on BYU TV <laughs> and the game there and on BYU Radio. All right, some more men's hoops news. We already knew that BYU will be playing in the 2024 Rady Children's Invitational in San Diego during the Thanksgiving week. The rest of the field was announced, so joining BYU will be Arkansas, Notre Dame, and Purdue. And that's for next season. That's how far out yes. we're looking, you know what I'm saying? Women's soccer holds steady in the latest United Soccer Coaches poll at number seven. Cougars earned the number two seed for the Big 12 tournament, faced the winner of Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, a little soccer bedlam on Monday. Joey's RPI, by the way, number three as of Sunday. Look, there is a real chance, certainly if BYU goes to Round Rock and wins the conference tournament, there, there's a real chance they're gonna get a number one seed yes. in the NCAA tournament. It hasn't happened since 2012. BYU hosted all the way through the Elite Eight, lost to UNC. When BYU went in 21, they were a three seed. I believe the top two seeds had lost prior to that. So hope for the best. Those are today's headlines. Now let's opine a little bit. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Round is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. All right, we mentioned it just a second ago. Uh, Kingsley Suamata'ia, a projected first round pick in ESPN's Jordan Reed's latest mock draft. In your opinion, is Kingsley a lock for the first round? No, there's still five games to be played in the bowl game and uh, the measurables and, and pro days and so on and so forth. So no, but he certainly looks like he yeah. very well could be. Uh, NFL mock database, they compile all the mocks and kind of uh, spin that out. On. Much mocking had their uh, projected second rounder there, overall ranked 33rd, so just into the second round. Best ranked 24th, first round percentage is 57%. So certainly is on the high side yeah. of that probability which would be great. Two straight left tackles have been drafted. There's no question Kingsley's going to be drafted. It's just whether it's yes. in the first round. Yeah, like, things are certainly trending that way, and it seems like most of the mock drafts you see have him going in the first round. Now, again, you know whether, whether he's taken late first, early second, he, he's 
he's gonna he's gonna be set up quite well for the rest of his life, and he absolutely is gonna get drafted. Uh, right? It, can you say it's a lock right now? No, but it's certainly trending towards being a first round draft pick, which is big time for Kingsley. Man, he is a good player. Joel Lenardi has BYU as one of the next four out in his latest bracketology. What? And CBS Sports Matt Norlander has BYU ranked as his 84th best team in college basketball entering the season. Do you expect BYU to be a bubble team? Um, going into the season, probably not. But look, the beauty of playing this schedule is we know how difficult it is. And in today's scheduling you know, uh, algorithms, just playing the games is going to give you such a bump. And if BYU can come out and find some of that early uh, mojo, get on a nice little run, by the time you get to conference play, who knows what can happen? I, I, this to me is such an unknown in terms of the basketball season. I'm just sort of excited to, to go along with the journey and see how this plays out. We've complained about the uh, you know these bad losses from BYU men's basketball on the road. There's not going to be a single bad loss in league. Yeah, it's go just only only going to be quote unquote good losses, quad one or twos, yeah. and uh, great wins. Right, every win you get in there would be good or great. So um, no, not not counting on that, but I would love for this team to grow and get better as the season goes on and somehow put themselves in a position yeah. to do so. They will have the games to do it. Yes. This has never been a thing we've questioned um, it, with this schedule. In years past, it was like, oh, BYU's got to win all these games plus not lose these games. It's like, well, can you produce enough wins? And we'll see if BYU can stay healthy and get some continuity and maybe, it, like, West Virginia went 7-11 and 11 in league and made the tourney. Like, you can have a losing yeah. record yeah. in the Big 12 and be okay the, with The it. scenario of, of how you navigate your conference season is so dramatically different this year oh my than what it has been in the WCC. Yes. What, what you view as success is now completely different yes. from the WCC like, to the Big 12. 20 wins is not um, what it used to be. Like, 20 wins would be, like, equal to 27 or 28 in the WCC. Yeah. Like. Last year was great, crazy. Yeah, you had a seven and eleven team in league make the tourney. Now, certainly, it's not the yeah. exact same ten teams, but the competition. Okay, here we go again. According to Real GM, <laughs> we can never escape this. Uh, Spencer Johnson is the oldest player in college basketball. Who knew? Real is GM. Is this a huge advantage? Yeah, BYU's winning the Big Twelve now. No, we were just talking about like, can they produce six wins? Spencer Johnson is at his fourth school, and he's thrived here at BYU. He shot 46% from three last year. Um, he's he's, uh, you know, uh, gonna have a kid during the season. Yeah. Um, so you know, while, while I don't like to admit that, hey, yeah, BYU has strollers thing from Bill Self. Yes, Trayden Christensen has a kid. Spencer Johnson's gonna have a kid. Is it an advantage? No. Do you, Everyone do you knows know, my opinion on this. Do you know series of games that it's, it's Kansas calls? and Kansas State <laughs> at, on the road? It's at Kansas. Luckily, and they Kansas aren't State. big ones and they don't matter. <laughs> when he told us that in Big 12 Media Day, it was just like, oh wow, that is. You talk about some stress. That can fluctuate pretty well, right? So yeah, we'll see what happens, but that could be the the biggest week of BYU basketball and Spencer Johnson's life. I'm actually interviewing Spencer on Friday for an upcoming Deep Blue podcast. I'm hey, going to bring this up this. and ask him about this. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Last night, the NHL premiered Frozen Frenzy, where all 32 teams played, with each game starting 15 minutes 
after the other. Would you like to see something like this with Big 12 football or men's basketball? First of all, can we just acknowledge the name Frozen Frenzy is awesome? That is awesome. I mean, that's cool, right? A alliteration. And when the state of Utah gets an NHL team, it's going to be even more awesome. I, listen, I, I'm like not that into hockey. I'll totally get into I'm not NHL. into hockey at all, if but if it's our one. team, I'll, I'll grow with oh, the sport. Heck yeah, I'm Absolutely. getting a sweater and everything. Yeah. So, all right, so to answer your question though, I, I like the idea of staggering the times mm -hmm. because then, you, you know, granted, sooner or later, some of this is gonna catch up because of, you know, commercials or timeouts or injuries. Score, but I, yeah. I like the idea of starting these games and, you know, having them staggered. And if you wanna flip, it's it's the beauty of, uh, of flipping between the channel surfing you know, that we all love to do with well, sports. How old are you? Channel surfing? That's not even a thing anymore. It's more like app switching. That, honestly, yeah. we need to figure out the app surfing so you don't have to get out of an app to reload an app. We need to we need to figure that out. This is channel why, surfing is part of being a sports This fan. is why I watch more games on my computer than I ever have. Because I can control this quickly and from behind on YouTube TV, you know, 15 seconds later. Yeah. Anyway, no, I don't need to see this. Um, they're staggered over four time periods anyway. Like, it's all good. If there's seven, you know, how many teams are in the Big 12? 14. If all seven uh, games in the Big 12 are going, it's like two per. I can handle two. You know what I mean? If you stagger them. Three? Whatever. Yeah, great. I don't need that. But now if there are 16 games on a night, I can see where you are. All right, Portland State President Ann Cudd is uh, suiting up to help beat Eastern Washington this Saturday. Are we going to show this? Are we showing the video of this? All right, here. Yeah, so here, here's, okay. here's some B-roll. So, so th this guy says, hey, good luck to you. Or she said, good luck. And he said, you too. So it's like, well, what do you mean? And then she too? goes into the Rocky montage. Starts training, <laughs> weightlifting. She's actually suited up and she actually <laughs> runs out here. Like at a game. Oh yeah. That happened in, in Portland. Okay, Portland so, so should we see this from President Reese? I, I can confirm that Shane Reese has been working out lately. Like, you texted him before looking, the show. Dude's looking jacked, yeah. I would not be surprised if suddenly you see a new running back Saturday on Texas. Oh. No, I, uh, everybody has a COVID year, right? <laughs> so eligibility is not an issue. Uh, but yeah, that, that would be funny. Yeah. He's he's quick though. Yeah. Plays basketball on the reg. I know that. Okay. I haven't there played with him quite yet. I can't assess his game. But uh, My money's on President Reese. I promise you I will. Yeah. Kevin Worthing could ball too. That guy played at uh, CEU. Yeah. Power forward. Let's man. go. Let's go. All right, the big, the big Stories podcast tells amazing tales of BYU's opponents. This week, Tyler Campbell, the son of Texas Longhorn great Earl Campbell, talks about what he learned from his dad and becoming the first college football athlete to play with MS. Listen to Big Stories on the BYU Radio app or wherever you find podcasts. Coming up after the break, more BYU Sports Nation as we continue on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and the TikTok. Welcome back to Studio DKR and Studio B. I am Jeremy Hia Spencer. Let's get to today's headlines. Beginning with this, BYU football 
Going to play in the stadium behind me, Jeremy. Austin, Texas taking on number seven. Texas pregame coverage begins tomorrow, 1.30 Eastern, live on BYU TV with BYU Sports Nation game day. You can also follow it on BYU Radio. In other football news, BYU cornerback Jacob Robinson named the Jim Thorpe Award National Defensive Back of the Week. How about that? And it's for the second time this season. Well done, Jacob. Only dude named twice this year. Cougars in the NFL. Puka Nakua won NFL Rookie of the Week for the third time this season. Had eight catches for 154 last week. The Rams play at them Cowboys Sunday. Zach Wilson and the Jets play the Giants in the Battle of New York slash New Jersey. Fred Warner and the Niners play the Bengals. Taysom Hill, Jamal Williams, Daniel Sorensen and the Saints play Blake Freeland and the Colts. Tyler Algier and the Falcons take on the Tennessee Titans, while Kyle Van Noy, newly with the Ravens and making an impact, they get the Arizona Cardinals. Sione Takitaki and the Cleveland Browns off a big win play the Seattle Seahawks. Michael Davis and the Los Angeles Chargers of San Diego host the Chicago Bears. Jaron Hall, Kyrus Tonga, and the Vikings, after beating the 49ers, will take on Zane Anderson and divisional foe Green Bay. Fusini Traude is one of 20 players named the Carl Malone Award watch list given to the top power forward in college basketball and the person who uses themselves in third person the most. That's not actually true. Traude averaged 11.2 points and 8.2 <laughs> rebounds per game last season. 7th ranked BYU women's soccer had eight players honored by the Big 12 Conference yesterday on the all Big 12 teams. Laveni Vaca and Brecken Mozingo named to the first team. Kendall Peterson, Olivia Wade Katoa, Allie Fryer and Ellie Walbrook were named to the second team. Lynette Hernez and Cameron Jorgensen, a part of the all-freshman team. Number eight, women's volleyball. Lost in three for the first time this year by 22 points. Never hit 20 in a set, hitting a season-low .075. What happened at Kansas State? First non-top 10 loss of the year. Same two teams tonight, 7.30 Eastern on Big 12 Now on ESPN+. Third-ranked BYU men's cross-country and the fourth-ranked women's cross-country team both competing tomorrow at the Big 12 Championships in Ames, Iowa. The men are the second-highest-ranked team behind number two Oklahoma State. What a showdown that's going to be. The women currently represent the top-ranked Big 12 program. We'll talk to Joey Noakes from Ames coming up in a moment. And Ashley Hatch played 23 minutes off the bench for the United States women's national soccer team last night in a friendly with Columbia and Sandy, Utah. She had a shot on goal. I went to the game. It was fun to see Ashley get in. A lot of local support from Utahns uh, supporting Ashley at that game. Those are today's headlines. Now let's whip it. Google Whip Around is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Spend, or I should say this, Jerem, do you expect that BYU women's volleyball will bounce back tomorrow against Kansas State after kind of just a head-scratching performance in Manhattan last night. Yeah, they get after it tonight, and yes, they will win tonight. I believe BYU bounces back. Uh, poorest performance of the year, weird performance. In fact, couldn't hit, gave up a lot. Like everything that BYU's done well this year, they did not yesterday. Yes, BYU gets the split. I agree, this squad is too well coached. Heather Olmstead and her staff, they're so good. They will recover. They clearly did not show up with the right mindset. Last night, they're going to get back to it and split this series and bring some, you know, some needed balance to what's going on in Big 12 volleyball right now. They win tonight. Will BYU win its first Big 12 championship tomorrow? Whew. I think the women for sure are going to do it. The men, they've got a little bit tougher 
of a road and race against Oklahoma State. That's going to be a fun showdown to watch, but I, I think yes, and it's courtesy of the BYU women's cross-country team. And they go before the men anyway, so it would be chronologically first anyway. In, uh, in the men, on the men's yes. side, Texas number six, Oklahoma State and BYU also in the top six there. That is, uh, that is loaded, so yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think BYU's going to win one or two tomorrow. If they win zero, frankly, that'd be disappointing. The first of many, Jerem. Hey, how about this? Dwayne Wade continues to make an impact on campus in Provo, Utah. He was wearing Trey Stewart's custom sweater that Trey gave to him during Ryan Smith's class. Would you rock this sweater? Because apparently Jordan Clarkson of the Utah Jazz wants one too. Oh, you know, I would absolutely. Now, would it be uh, quite big on me? Yes. Uh, but yeah, the hoodie look, it looks heavy, dude. Uh, I don't know what it's made of, but Trey doesn't mess around, dude. <laughs> Trey posted a video of him cutting out like this quilt and like what went into it. And he's at the sewing machine. Like oh, he's yeah. incredibly crafty. So just re respect to Trey for what he does. This, this fashion guru, he's got a real passion for it. I would attempt to rock that, but I wouldn't look nearly as good as no. Dwayne Wade or Jordan Clarkson or Trey Stewart in it. Really, really good. Yeah, I'd like it, but I wouldn't look good in it like those guys. Oh, give yourself some credit. Come on. That is the whip. Coming up, is BYU winning its first Big 12 title tomorrow? Great competition, great opportunity. Cross country looks to do it on the men and women's sides. We'll talk with star Joey Noakes from Ames, Iowa after this. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. BYU is going to need plenty of those tomorrow against number seven Texas. Spencer Linton joins us from Austin, Texas, outside of Darrell K. Royal Stadium. Not, not uh, inside the stadium bland music this week. We found a nice rooftop with a nice view this week. Okay, prop <laughs> pick. Spencer, you lead this 3-1. We begin with number one of five here. Over under 100 yards rushing for Brigham Young. Jeremiah, I hope I am wrong, wrong, wrong in this. But against that defensive front from Texas, I don't know how BYU gets over 100 yards. And frankly, you throw in some quarterback sack yards, some eventual losses from tackles for loss against a very, very stout front. I don't think they get to triple digits. I hope I'm wrong though, because I feel like BYU has to do that to try and win this game. Aiden Robbins changes the fortunes of BYU. Cougars go over 100 yards rushing. All right, what's BYU's turnover margin in tomorrow's game? Plus, even, or minus? This one is me hoping more than thinking. Uh, it is plus. BYU needs to be plus. <laughs> BYU is disruptive enough that I think that they'll create at least one, maybe two turnovers. But again, on the road, hostile environment, very, very good defense. I think Texas might take one or two back, so I'm going with even here. Who will have more completions, Keaton Slovis or Malik Murphy? Keaton hasn't had a ton of completions really outside of the Kansas game, really. So I'm going to go with the trend. And like, while Keaton doesn't complete a lot of passes, he's, he's efficient and throws some touchdowns. But 
I think Malik Murphy's just going to attempt more because I think Texas is going to run more plays. This is just like an analytics thing for me. Malik Murphy, because Texas is going to have the ball more. They'll run more plays. He throws more passes than Keaton Slovis. Keaton Slovis has completed 13, 15, and 15 balls the last three weeks. That is a crazy low number. I do think it's Keaton, though. Perhaps that means BYU's playing from behind. I think Keaton Slovis has to throw the ball well in this game and complete a lot of passes. Third down conversion has been a huge issue for BYU, both offensively and defensively. We're gonna focus on the BYU offense here, but what will BYU's third down conversion rate when Keaton Slovis and company are on the field be? 32%. <laughs> I'm going with exactly one third, closest to the pin here. So anything 32% or below, you win. If BYU can be above a third at 33% or higher, then I'll take that point. BYU needs to be above both of us. So you would win. True or false, there will be yes. a defensive or special yeah. teams touchdown tomorrow. False. And, and I'm saying this with some hope that BYU will not give free points away like they have in their two losses at Kansas and at TCU. Defensive touchdowns scored by both of those teams. BYU absolutely has to avoid this. It's false. It's not going to happen tomorrow for either side. It's true. And Max Tooley will be the guy with another pick six. Ooh. Let's go, baby. Our question Ooh. of the day. Who or what needs to be the Y factor in order for BYU to beat Texas? At Nick, PDX on X. Shout out to Portland. Stellar run game from Martins and Robin. Uh, Martin and Robbins each. Slovis commanding the offense like George Washington crossing the Delaware. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.